One of the ways I like to talk about Jesus, and I've said this before, but I think it's pretty effective, is that if he was standing right here, I would point at him and look at you and say, that's God. And it would be true. And I wonder what you think about that this evening. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. God bless all of you. Our church has been in a sermon series called The Carols of Christmas. And over the last four weeks, we've been talking about how kind of modern contemporary Christmas songs talk about cookies and snow and snowmen and the fact that grandma got run over. And that's all good and pretty fun. But we're looking at ancient um, carols, if you will, and the the biblical truth that they uh, convey to us that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to become a man on that first Christmas to die for us and forgive us of our sins. Over the past four weeks, we've covered O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, O Holy Night, O Come, All Ye Faithful, and this past weekend, we talked about Away in the Manger. Tonight, you won't be surprised to find out we're talking about Silent Night, written by an Austrian uh, poet named Joseph Moore. His friend Franz Gruber set it to music. You might know the myth around that. The organ at the Austrian church broke, so they had to sing it accompanied only by guitar in that first beautiful um, Christmas Eve that that song was written. According to most surveys, Silent Night is the most popular Christmas carol of all time. And we'll sing it later in the service with real candles, so we're real excited about that. Um, before that, though, let's... Um, Let me open my Bible anyway and share with you a bit uh, of scripture uh, of where we're going. Uh, You heard these exact words just a moment ago in the dramatic reading, but let me remind you from Luke 2. The angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's come together in prayer. Father, in the manger we find your Son. He came below to raise me above. He was born like me that I might become like him. He became sin that I would be made pure. He overcame death that we need to fear no more. In this place tonight, this evening, we pray, Lord, O come, O come, Emmanuel, you are welcome here. And we pray all this for Christ's sake. And together we all say, Amen. So tonight we'll talk about a couple of things that happened on that first silent night. If you're following along and like to fill in blanks, here's your outline. On that silent night, Jesus was born to reveal God's identity. In John 1.18 we read, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, speaking about Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. And look, he has revealed God to us. God's not an angry old man or a lovable but absent-minded geezer or an unknowable, unidentifiable, impersonal power. Jesus came to reveal that he is the creator of the universe, all things, that he is personal, that he is with us, that he loved us so much that he came to rescue us. And because he lived as a man, he perfectly knows what it means to be human. I've got a long scripture passage for us to read together out loud. It really talks about Jesus revealing his identity to us. It's from Colossians 1. Let's read this together, God's word for us. Let's read. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's a great passage of who Jesus is and what he revealed in Christmas. And there's a lot there I know. So if you get anything, get that line. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus is God. Number two for us this evening on that silent night, Jesus was born to share God's message. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. Notice the word truly there at the beginning. Jesus is saying, look, here's a big pile of truth. You need to know this stuff. I have come to take away the sins of the world. I've come to bring forgiveness and wholeness and acceptance into God's kingdom. And he doesn't share the message that he is a way to God. He is real exclusive. He says, I am the way. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. Any of you guys see the movie, The King's Speech? Came out in 2010. Fantastic movie, get it if you haven't. Eh, there's some swearing in it, but you'll be able to work around that. So real quickly, true story of an Australian-born man who now lives in England in the late 1930s and 40s, and he's a speech therapist, and the royal family employs him to help King George VI with his speech. King George VI had a terrible time speaking, so they employed this guy named Lionel Logue to be his speech therapist. Well, Lionel Logue, on top of being a speech therapist, likes to think of himself as a local actor. He's auditioning for this play over there, that play over here. He likes Shakespeare especially. 60-second clip to show you here. This is Lionel Logue um, auditioning for a local production of Shakespeare, Shakespeare's Richard III. Now? Now. Now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this sun of York and all the clouds that lowered upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean buried. Now are our brows bound with, with victorious rings. Thank you. Lovely diction, Mr... Uh, Logue, Lionel Logue. Well, Mr. Logue, I'm, I'm not hearing the cries of a deformed creature yearning to be king. Nor did I realize Richard III was king of the colonies. <laughs> so the, the director of that didn't like Lionel Logue's audition. Certainly wasn't qualified. And Logue goes on to say, well, I've played it before. I know all, all the words. Church, I wonder what makes us think that we're qualified to play God. And here's what I mean by that. For years, you've been making decisions in your life. I've been making decisions in my life that are really God's call. And we had a great series of sermons this past weekend on the lordship of Jesus, that he's the one who makes the call. And, and pastors already literally ripped out pages of the Bible in here and said, well, you're reading through the Bible and you like everything he says except for that part. And he rips it out and throws it away. And, and maybe that's been you. I wonder what th makes you think you're qualified to, to make the calls in your life. And maybe you've been doing it for years and you would say to me, Mark, it actually has been turning out pretty good. I've been making the calls. I'm here to tell you tonight that you're not qualified. Jesus revealed to us in the truth that he is Lord. He is the one qualified to make the calls in our life, to direct us on how it is that we should go, how it is that we should live, the things that we ought to do. 
And he shares that truth with us so that he is qualified because he's the only one who's been good. He's the only one who's lived a life perfectly and has the right to come before our Holy Father. And he shares that, John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Where there was confusion, there's clarity. Where there was blindness, now there's sight. Where there was loneliness, now there's belonging. Number three for us on this Christmas Eve evening, on that silent night, Jesus was born to rescue God's people. This is Christmas. This is Jesus. This is Christianity. Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Um, I have to be honest with you, I didn't know what the word crash meant about, until about 10 years ago. You guys know what a crash is? French word. It's a nativity. A French word for nativity. So I like to think of Christmas as from the crash to the cross. They both start, start with a sound. From the crash to the cross. We never talk about Christmas without talking about the cross. Because that's why he came to die for us. I love this image I found this year. On the right, on the left is a Christmas wreath. On the right, the crown of thorns. This is the season, but this is the reason. The season is that Jesus was born, but the reason he was born is to wear the crown of thorns, to, to go to his death on the cross, to go to your death on the cross, to pay your sin debt. We read about it here in Matthew 20. The Son, uh, the son of Man did not come to seek and be served, but to serve and to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. I have to confess, this is the third weekend in a row that I'm using this image, but I found it so powerful. Maybe you saw it on social media this year. On the left is Eve, Eve of Adam and Eve, our first mother. Notice that the serpent is wrapped around her leg, the tempter, and she holds in her right hand the, the fruit that drew her into rebellion, that drew her into pride, that brought the curse, that brought frustration on the entire universe. Her face is heavy with guilt and sorrow, as if she realizes what she did. On our right is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Notice that she's stomping on the head of the serpent as is prophesied in Genesis 3. And she's cupping and comforting her friend Eve with her right hand as if to say, bless you, my sister. But the most important part to me is that she's taking her hand and putting it on her pregnant belly as if to say to Eve, I know, sin, guilt, frustration, brokenness, darkness, I know, but he's here. The one who makes all that right, the one who takes all of that away, the one who heals all things, the one who forgives your sins, Eve, the one who forgives my sins, the one who forgives the sins of the world, he's about to be born. And church, that's our message here tonight, that this Jesus who was born came to die for you and me because my relationship with God the Father is broken because I'm a sinner and if you're honest with yourself, you are too. I know, it's real. We don't wink at it. We don't say it's okay, but we say, he's here. The one to forgive sins, the one that makes all things whole, the one that makes things right. Now, number four this evening, on that silent night, Jesus was born to what? Give us new life as a result of his perfection and the redemption he gives us. He says, I've come that they, that's us, that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion or a set of rules or even guidelines. He says, leave your old life and follow me, and I will forgive your sins and give you new life. And I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who needs that message, who needs to hear there's a new start, that you can have a new life, a life with God, forgiven of your sins and made whole and walking a path, and you'll stumble and fall, and the garbage of life still happens, but now you're a God person. You're in the kingdom 
you know his blessing and his deliverance and his goodness. New life in Christ. There's a pastor named Jack Graham, and he's a Baptist pastor, so we would disagree with old Jack Graham on a couple important things of doctrine, but I think he gets it perfectly right here. He says, when you give your life to Christ, things change. You change. Some are warm to the idea of such a shift, while some are apprehensive because they don't know quite what to expect. New Christians find, however, that new life in Christ results in changes they wanted to make all along, but were unable to do so without God's help. They also find a sense of peace unlike any other and a renewed sense of purpose for living. And that's just the short list. So we started our discussion this evening talking about Silent Night and the lyric, Silent Night, Holy Night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven afar. And the next line takes us to where we are tonight. Heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We worship as a result of this Christmas gift, this Jesus. And that takes us to our final verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There's a couple of next steps. These are at the bottom of your worship folder. I'll have them on the screen. Maybe things to think about this week, pray about. Connect with God by making a commitment to join us here in worship. Come back this, this weekend. And make a commitment right now in this place, this evening, to come to church and join us in worship in 2020. Number two, think about the message of Christmas, what it means, and the message of the cross, and the message of the empty tomb, that that is God's gift for you. And number three, pray for God to strengthen your faith. Who who couldn't use a little more faith tonight? Let's come together and pray. What a privilege, Lord, to know you, uh, to be in this place gathered with these nice people who are celebrating Christmas and the true meaning that God loved us so much that he became a man in the God-man Jesus. And I love that thing that I started out with. If If Jesus was here tonight in the front row or whatever, I'd point at him and go, that guy's God. And it would be true. So thank you for the celebration. We'll enjoy Holy Communion in a moment, and then we get to sing Silent Night with the lit candles and do all that stuff we love, and then we'll get out of here, and maybe some will enjoy parties or just a quiet night at home or or do other stuff. But we don't forget you. We don't forget you, and we love you. In Jesus' precious name, together we all say,